This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, it's the 14th of February 2024. It's Valentine's Day. And today we're going to talk all about... Don't ever do that again. Uh, feedback. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, the day when all the geeks go, get away from me. Uh, <laughs> happy Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day, Stephen Scott. How are you? <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that to you. I, I haven't even seen my wife this morning yet, and I'm saying that to you <laughs> first. That is ridiculous. I'm I'm avoiding my uh, partner on Valentine's Day because uh, I forgot. Well, that's the joy of the shed, isn't it? You can get away. Exactly. I'm so sorry. Stephen has me working in the shed. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's right. You couldn't possibly have just delayed this a couple of hours or, you know, <laughs> said, Stephen, I'm not available today. You couldn't have done that. Couldn't have done that. It's not possible. <sighs> What do you, do you do? You go out on Valentine's Day. I mean, do you go out for a meal or anything, or or do you even just do you buy presents? Lots of people just say no, no, it's all commercial. Not going to do it now. I don't do the it's all commercial thing because you know that's just a cop out as far as I'm concerned. It's just an excuse yes. to say I'm not buying anything. I agree. Um, but my wife and I agree that we just we don't we're not doing cards, and it's I'll tell you why because we both get to the 13th of February. And we both say to each other, did you get a card for me this year? And I'll say, no. And she'll say, no, I didn't get you one either. And I have the confidence. I have ah, to say, just, just let's beautiful. stop for a second and think about that conversation. She asks me, did I buy a card for her? And I say, no. I realize a lot of you out there are going, whoa, back up a second there, Stephen. You said no first. That's dangerous. Ah, it's a you trap. Have, it's a trap. You could have walked right <laughs> into that. But this is how well I know my wife. I know that she will say to me, yeah, I didn't buy you one either. So I know that, and I have the confidence. That one day that, that trap will be set, and I will walk yes. straight into it. But uh, it's not happening Like a yet. lamppost. Well, let me just say so no this, cards, though. No, we don't do anything now. We really don't. Who does cards? Well, that, I mean... And, I mean, I don't bo- do we both Christmas cards. This game, I don't right? do birthday cards. No, but we both sit and play the same game. It's like, okay, we could get a card and it'd be nice and you can look at it and it'd be lovely. But then, you know, it's like, you can't really see it. And what's that saying? What did you write in the handwriting? I hate to tell you this. We can't look at it, Stephen Scott. That's it's, kind well, of the yeah, point. kind of the point I'm making, You're right? You're giving it's me pointless. a piece of cardboard. I don't care. <laughs> Although, this does come back to my uh, comment up yesterday about the Braille labeler. Did I say this on here? I get mixed up with what we say... In our calls um, and, and yes, <laughs> I don't know. But we were somewhere about we the recorded. Labeler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so somewhere you heard the hour of yesterday's conversation, uh, and you're joining me for today's. But um, yeah, we were talking about the braille thing with the mantis and everything, and I was saying to you about the, the braille label. Oh, I was talking about it because I was saying it's like my first ever, you know, braille labeler. That's right, Fisher Price. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> so that's the one I was trying to think about. Yeah, yes, funny um, colours and everything. Yeah, but you know, th- th- that's actually well. This is kind of cool. I you, was, this is this you is can something. Say you're brailing a card. Is that where this is? This going? is where I'm going. But actually, this is not. I wasn't really thinking about it for Valentine's Day because I was thinking about. I really would love. I've never been able to. My neighbours always give me Christmas cards, and I think. Mm, I'd like to return the favour, but I don't want just like some scrawl as if some spiders grabbed a pen and just went, and there you go. You know, elephant paintbrush scenario. Um, don't be ashamed. I'd rather I'd rather give them something they can, you know. In braille. There. Yeah. 
figure it out. <laughs> and you, you write it down for it. me. The, thing yeah. is, the problem is, though, in today's world, because of apps like Braille Scanner, which if you don't know about, it's a great app. You can you can just use your phone and it will scan the, the, the page and it will tell you what the text is in Braille or uh. Braille is in text. Um, yeah, you, that can be dangerous. Yes, Screw you all. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks for that, Stephen. Ah, well, happy Valentine's Day to all our listeners. We love you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're getting lots of emails and lots of lovely messages as well um, following my admittance of buying the Mantis Q40. Uh, thanks to Tim. Uh, Tim Dixon, that is, who uh, says I'm now part of the Q40 club, not the UB40 club, the Q40 club. <laughs> I like that. We should get people red, in the Q40 wine. club. That's I'm part of it. And I'm se- I am setting up. I I'm mm. not going to do anything. No, um, of course not. No, any, not any gonna, work or no, no, no. I mean, no. other people. We'll get a treasurer and a secretary who can do all the actual work uh, and someone who can bring in the money because um, we're going to you know monetize it. And uh, you know, There's I'm no going to make a left. fortune. There's no- <laughs> You've all bought the Q40. We're, we're all basically trying to pay off our, our mantises. Yeah, exactly. It's a very exclusive club, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's nice very to be part of something. <laughs> it's nice to be part of a club. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so cool. And it's funny because everybody who's, who's, and Tim as well, and others as well, um, Callum, uh, Callum Stoneman, good friend of the show, uh, he was also saying he's he's loving his. And it's interesting, we, we all have this kind of love relationship with it in a weird way. Um it's like we've connected with this device in a way that we haven't or wouldn't have with other Braille displays. And I think this is probably true for anybody who uses a Braille display, especially that Perkins-style one. You probably get into that that way of using it and just be, it being part of you. But I also know people who've you know had Braille since birth, learned Braille since birth, been blind since birth, who use the Perkins displays, so have a, a Perkins-style keyboard on their Braille display, say the Focus 40 or the Brilliant or whatever it might be, but they still use a QWERTY keyboard with their PC, and they just kind of lean up, or you know, depends where they put the device, either yeah, before yeah, the course. keyboard or after it. You know, kind of lean to find the display, and I think that's interesting. Whereas this, it is just to, for me. If you're a computer user primarily, and let's be honest, most of us are, you can mm-hmm. just you, you can get so much out of this thing, and it's a standalone note taker. I love that. All right, don't go on about it. I'm evangelizing you now. You're so into Braille now. It's quite sickening, Stephen Scott, but um, I've got to say, you, you do sound like you're really enjoying it. And more than that, you're actually getting productive with it. Well, that's so, the yeah. point. It's obviously that done it. something. Yeah, I think, cool. I think I was always into it, but I thought it was a bit like a leisure pastime. You know, I'd stop of, of the odd occasion, not very often, uh, but, you know, stop and go over to the books and have a read. And that was nice, but it felt like something else I was doing. And so, therefore, it was easy to fall off the to-do list every day. Of Whereas course, yeah. now it's right there, it's right in front of me. So I can sort of sit here and go, oh, yeah, I must move on to that point about this note that, you know, I've written to myself to do. Um, well, it's kind of nice. Rem- remember the discussion we had, well, you brought up, actually, about Perkin keys versus QWERTY keyboards. Mm-hmm. Is it time just to, you know, why why are we using separate keys like that? Um, it's definitely been the case for you that QWERTY is, has made it more productive, more accessible. Yeah, I mean, it's like I was saying yesterday, right? You know, you can learn as you go in that sense. You know, I can sort of type something and go, all right, okay. Uh, But also I I wonder, because I I was sitting thinking about it the other day, what would I need Perkins keys for? You know, I was thinking about overall learning of grade two, for example. You know, reading, for me, I think is more important than the input. But I wonder, should should I also learn the input as I go? I mean, would I ever, ever need it again? 
suppose that's my question, right? I mean, th- this Mantis Q40, let's be brutally honest. One thing about specialist tech, to the most degree anyway, to not not exclusively or, or even this specific device, but generally specialist tech that costs serious money lasts a long time. And yeah. this, there are people using, you know, the original Braille notes or the original Braille and speaks from way back when, you know, they're still functioning. Might not be as useful today. And of course, the ports are irrelevant. You know, you can't use skizzy ports and parallel ports with them anymore. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. But the point is that you turn it on, it still works. Yeah. And I think that there's something interesting there. I mean, we'll see what the test of time is on these devices. We tend to think of today's devices as perhaps lesser built or lesser well built than their predecessors. I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, mm. Time will tell. I mean, I think about televisions today, just TVs alone. I was thinking, goodness, you know, TVs don't die anymore. You know, the days when you buy a television, it would just conk out and be dead. Doesn't happen well, the, anymore, right? And there's uh, the price wise, I mean, they're so cheap compared yeah. to what they used to be. You know, $2,000 for a, a slim, flat, thin TV back in the day. Now you can pick one up for 100 bucks. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's totally different. Technology has a longer shelf life than we give it credit for. Even phones. I could go and turn on my old iPhone. You know, my iPhone 4 that I've got in the cupboard. And it'll still work. It'll still turn on. still works fine. I can't use it for anything because obviously the oh, software is it. Empty, But it works. You know, no, you, have, you know we'll get all the emails now with built-in obsolescence um, conspiracy but that's different. theories. But that's different because, yeah, there is built-in obsolescence. I mean, I've got this iMac um, 2007 model sitting here, right? It's my yes. dad's old computer. And I'm holding on to it because I just like the idea of holding on to it. I got rid of the one, the lampshade one that I had, the 20-inch iMac, and I was annoyed at myself because I thought... You regretted it, yeah. Well, I, I could have, you know, got some money out of that in a few years, you know. <laughs> I was probably yeah, worth no, some money. True. I yeah. kind of just dropped it off at the local recycling centre and wish I hadn't. But anyway, um, this is, you know, a really nice little computer, but I turn this thing on and it works fine. Now, it can't yeah. run the latest software because the software is making the decision on how, you know, capable this thing is. And obviously, I don't imagine, I don't know, I don't imagine this could run the latest AI software and, you know, run all these these things I'm doing right now on this M1 processor. Probably not. But, you know, the fact is that it is capable of doing what it was set to do. If you bought this machine purely to be, say, something to type Word documents on, do emails, um, you know, basic browsing of the web, you could do all of that today on that machine. You would not need to upgrade. And there are people I know who still use those machines from that time. And it's yeah. absolutely fine. So, yeah, there is planned obsolescence, but it's more the shiny new thing that drags us away. Why well, we upgrade our phones every year? Somewhere. It is. You're absolutely right. Need to. Ooh, shiny thing. I yeah. want it. Uh, the 2012 Mac Mini I've got still works perfectly. As you said, it's stuck at a certain OS, you know, a few years ago now. But um, from being able to do what it used to do, it can still do that. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. But I think with specialist stuff, there tends to be just that that longevity built into them as well. And I can, and this is kind of what brings me back to the point about Perkins Keys versus QWERTY. Do I ever really need? I mean, if I've bought, I've, I've bought this now. I've bought, and, and to be very clear, because I think some people thought that Humanware very kindly sent me this. Uh, they did send me it for a couple of weeks, a couple of years back. But you know, they asked for it back. The cheeky swines! Unbelievable! Um, I know. Well, don't they know who I am? <laughs> yes, they do. That's why they asked for it back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, no, no, give us it back. And at that time, I probably wasn't the best person to give it to, although I wanted to, to see it. And I'm glad it did, actually, because by, by actually getting hands on it, 
Um, now I've sort of once I got to that point where I was starting to take it seriously, I could kind of in my head say, "Okay, this is the device." It's actually better than I remember it. I think they've they've improved a few things, but the point is that this is a really cool device. It's got, uh, and you know, I think for me, I don't know if I need to learn the input as much as I need to learn the reading. So I'll be intrigued to hear people. So I'd like to know your thoughts on this. And I'm not looking for a debate on it. I'm not looking to, you know, it's not a better versus thing. I'm not starting that. I just want to know, having a device like this and having the ability to read Braille in grade one, grade two, or whatever, do I actually need to learn the input? Do I need to learn on Perkins keys? I know I will do if I ever want to use a Perkins again, so I suppose the answer is yes, but I don't know. I just don't know if I... Would is I ever use the Perkins is? again if I need it, you know? Is it that that legacy, almost, of the Perkins Brailler? Is that why the keys are still hanging around? Um, possibly. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because you would think that the, the Perkins Brailler would be a museum piece and that's it, done. But the Perkins yeah. Brailler is so vital today. It still is vital today. I mean, if you want to get notes on paper, that is that's the it. quickest way to do it. Yeah, I agree. And it's pretty much the only way to do it unless you're going to spend the money on an embosser. <sighs> yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, interesting times. Anyway, um, some other stories. Because, look, we've not been uh, touching much on the mainstream tech news. I know mainstream boring, right? A um, <laughs> couple of stories. Uh, Waymo in the news. Uh, now, this came up just yesterday. But the story is actually from uh, early December. So what happened was Waymo had an incident. Their cars in Phoenix, the cars that we've heard our own Greg Hayes uh, testing out, uh, had an accident uh, where they drove into the back of a pickup truck. Uh, two cars, two Waymo cars, uh, taxis, uh, actually crashed into the same pickup truck. Uh, now, the details of the, the crash essentially were that the car, the, the pickup truck was towing a vehicle and the way it was parked, or the way it was sitting on the road, it was kind of crossed over the road. The first car, they say, came into contact. They didn't say what that meant, whether it you know, was obliterated by it or it just touched it. We don't know yeah. the detail. Um, although we do get a sense from it because there was no injuries of anybody involved in it. So that's a good thing. Minor damage to the car. So that's okay. As long as nobody was hurt, that's the main thing. But the first car hit. Uh, then the second car, obviously or I say obviously, but it must have got confused. And it also knocked and crashed into the same uh, vehicle. Now, what Waymo did, and I think this is where Waymo are ahead of the game on this, they immediately recalled these two particular cars and did an assessment of the situation, had a software fix out by December 20th. So the incident happened on the 11th of December. The software fix was applied to all vehicles by December 20th. And the thing was they learned from this. They learned from what happened, and they were able to put in mitigations to stop it happening again. Now, for people who are down on the driverless cars, if someone gets behind the wheel drunk and they have a minor accident, there's no software update to stop them getting drunk again and doing the same again. They could just do it. And this is where I feel there's a huge difference. I mean, those cars were immediately recalled. The software was fixed. Applied to all vehicles, not just the two that were on the road, but all the vehicles. And the issue was resolved. 
And they hope that won't happen again. And of course, the whole thing, the whole reason this test is going on, this, the reason this is happening in Phoenix and not happening across America or across the world is because they are really trying to really trying to make sure they go through every single possible scenario that these vehicles may come into contact with so that they can prepare them for, in quotes, the real world, basically outside of Phoenix. Which is part yes. of the real world, to be very clear. Yeah. So, Phoenix <laughs> you are Phoenix. the real world, I promise you. You are the real world. <laughs> um, but, but this is the point, right? That, that they've actually bothered to do this. And, and it's funny that some people hear these stories and they go, ah, well, there you go. That's it. Terrible, hopeless. There's an example. Yeah, this is why How, it can't work. Yeah. I'd love to know on that day on December 11th, I'd love someone to do some study on how many accidents were there in Phoenix, Arizona that day. Forget the rest of America. How many car accidents were there in that day that were not reported and that were caused by driver error? And I bet, I bet money that there was way more than two. Way more than two. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's very good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I smell that, a rat. That kind of worked out quite well. <laughs> I smell a rat when the same truck is hit by two Waymo cars. I'm kind of thinking, ah, that, is that a coincidence? Or um, I totally get what you're saying. Well, the, the context is key, though, in that story. Because the, the, the vehicle, the pickup truck was towing a vehicle. Yeah. And the way it was parked across the road meant that it was obstructing lanes and, and, and a turn, I believe. So this is where they believe the accident, this is, where, this is why it got confused, because both cars got confused by their surroundings, I guess, and didn't know where this thing was meant to be or was, and that's what caused the accident. So, in theory, three car- three Waymo cars could have hit it, you know, if that was the case. If, if they were all essentially designed the same way, they would have all, all reacted off the, same. the same. Yeah. yeah, they react the same to a certain scenario which yeah. this threw up. That's my See, take uh, on it. No, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I've had this argument before. I think the sooner we switch over to self-driving cars, the better from a safety point of view. The road stats accidents are absolutely, they blow my mind every time, right? But, um, I mean, the argument could be uh, no one was hurt in this case. But if someone was coming back and saying, well, you know, now we fixed it. It's it's a hard it's a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah, but I get that. I, I mean, but you can't get around that though. That's the thing. You can't cover every scenario in a test track, or in a lab, you know, or in a computer simulation. The only real you've got to get out there. And again, I totally get it if someone has been hurt or injured by it, and them feeling a way about it. But you know, it, it, overall, it's it's the better option. It simply is. Look, I am against death. All right, there I said it. I, I stand up. Uh, well done. I, I stand. I, I know I'm a hero. I get it. Um, I don't know if my hero button's available. Um, no, <laughs> don't think it is. But uh, oh, we were all waiting. <laughs> I know I was. I was reaching for it, but I was conscious that I was on a different screen, so that I don't think my uh, my applause is available. Um, but look, I'm against death and all it stands for. Um, I'm for life. I think life is good um, sometimes, but I will say that. In order for these things to be tested, and this is the case for anything, there will be accidents. Things will go wrong. Things will happen. I mean, I remember there was a story. I watched a documentary one night about a British airline way, way, way back at the beginning of flight. And, you know, this this flight goes out. Everyone's all dressed up in their, you know, suits and their, their fancy ball gowns. And they all get on this plane and the plane goes up in the air. And basically the, 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 the fuselage of the plane 
is made of you know papier mache or something because that's what they thought they should use, and the whole mm. thing disintegrated in air and everyone was killed. Now, tragic, yeah. absolutely tragic. But the most important thing is they learned a lot from that, and if they didn't, we would just be continuing to make paper mache planes and killing lots of people all the time. That's the point. You learn from this. And I will say, Waymo were quick on this. They didn't hang around. They got the cars off the road. They got the update fixed. They figured it out. And I think this is the... the, the there's a couple of things with this. You know, there's the story of the driverless car itself. But I think there's something about the companies behind them that are making it. That's what I'm interested in. Who are the ones who are putting the effort in to making these things as secure as possible? And it sounds to me like Waymo are taking this very seriously. And they're doing it very well. And the problem is they get kind of wrapped up in the whole issue around Cruise, the other company that was, yes. uh, which is now, I think, no more. Um, but, you know, that was one company that were having a lot of accidents, partly because they were moving too quickly. They were trying to do things without really analysing the dangers. And it's right, in my mind, that that company becomes a fatality of all of this. Because I don't want to get in one of those cars and find out there's an accident that could have been avoided but they just were so quick to push out the cars and get them on the road. We don't really need to make a massive switch overnight to this. There's no, there's no reason to make a big switch. No. We can no. take our time with this, and we're going to have to. We're never going to have a day where we wake up and suddenly it's all driverless cars. You know, it's not going to be like, you know, the driverless cars are going to turn up at our house and tow our existing cars away and then turn, you know, re- return and say, you've got me now. Never it's say not never. Happen. I don't mean to be, <laughs> yeah. that would be the quickest way to do it, but it's not going to happen, right? So, you know, this is going to come in over time. It's probably going to arrive like it is in Phoenix as a taxi service. And, you know, I know we, obviously, from us, from our point of view in the blind community, that is ideal. Um, Not for everybody. I know there's some people who may never get in one and be terrified of it. I understand that. I totally get it. Um, But the point is that we can't halt progress here, and we shouldn't really halt progress. This could be a massive game changer for us and for a lot of people. And I just think about the number of people who go out on a Friday or Saturday night who want to have yep. a few drinks, and who those ones who consider picking the keys up, opening the car door, getting in and driving home, we've got to stop that. We've just got to stop it. And if yeah. that, if this, if these cars stop that alone, then I think uh, you know those people who go on about, oh well, you know, someone lost their life in an accident while this was testing. Well, a lot of people lose their lives on the road every single day as a result of drunk drivers, tired drivers, angry drivers dangerous drivers. You take all of that out of it. You take every single emotion out of driving and it just becomes an experience. And do you know what? I I think they need to sell this differently to car owners. Stop talking about the cars. Stop talking about driving. People love driving. At least they say they do. Although every driver I've ever met seems to, all they do is scream out the window. So I don't know what they enjoy about it. It doesn't sound like when you're in the car. Yes. (laughs) Even I start screaming. I'm like, ah, get off the road, you idiot. Um, but, you know, all these people, I think what you need to do is sell it differently. I think you sell driverless cars by saying, hey, do you love your phone? Do you like staring at your phone? Do you like wasting your life looking at apps on a phone? Yes, I you do. Could, you could do more of it with a driverless car. <laughs> I've got a question for you. So Waymo, it's a very good idea, by the way. Thank you. Waymo have uh, put this fix out there, right? Mm. All these systems, self-driving systems, are all very proprietary. Isn't it a better idea to go open source? So every company shares this scenario, this database of information of what to do in this scenario, of this environment. 
And that's the core of every single self-driving vehicle. I would Doesn't say that, that make more sense? incredibly smart. Yes, I would say Thank that you. is absolutely you right. Of course, it won't happen because the amount of billions of dollars that's gone into research, into making these companies where they are now. It's, it's my ball and you're not playing with it. Is, is yeah, probably exactly. the attitude right now from these companies. And I get it. I do understand that because they've put the R&D in and they've put the research in. And you know, they want to be the ones in, at the front, right? They want to be leading from the front. It's a, good, it's a good idea. I think what may happen is down the line, that may be exactly what happens. You know, once the, once the research is up and running, once these companies have established themselves as the leaders. Make their money back. Exactly. They can then, <laughs> yeah. they could even license this. You know, here, you can have this. You can license it from us. That, I think, would be the business solution to that. Um, and I think that's a smart move. I think that would be a smart move. Maybe open source is unlikely from a company like Waymo, but certainly licensing um, to other manufacturers might be the way forward. I mean, it's interesting because mm. I, I, I hear Apple, there's this talk every so often about Apple, the Apple car, the Apple car. Do you think we're ever going to see an Apple car? It just seems so ridiculous as an idea to me. But then Vision Pro came along and I thought, well, maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't have thought yeah, that it makes more Pro, sense so. than an Apple car. It's like, are we ever going to see an Apple? I don't know. House. You know, Apple are now getting into <gasps> property. I, Can we get an Apple stop. house? No, no. I want an Apple house. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> of course, all of, Apple, all of Apple trees. That's the product. All of, all of Apple trees. Um, what else oh, will they have? Be they'll be round though. Yeah, um, well, that new uh, Apple gadget smell. Ah, oh. oh, I'm sold. It's the future. Let's make it happen. Give me a call, Tim. Apple Town. I want Apple Town. <laughs> Apple shops. Apple, and of course, everyone has Apple juice. The the apples. The ah, uh, of course, you got the uh, neighbouring town, Androidsville. Oh, I'm not so, going anywhere near that. It'll all be. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I can. I, you know, I can hear it right now. I can hear sirens. I can hear, uh, you know, <laughs> dogs go barking. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Android Town. I'm not going down Android Town. I'm staying up here in Apple Town. <laughs> Smell the air. <laughs> wow, this was a weird episode. Carry on. <laughs> Chat GPT's got memory. Uh, did you hear about this? I did. I'm slightly confused by this because I thought it already did, but my memory's not that great. I thought I already <laughs> remembered your previous conversations. No, it, well, it... <laughs> So I thought it had memory too, but I know there's a lot of apps going around that do sell this idea of memory. We're going to be talking about one on YouTube soon, actually. Um, but it's it's interesting. I think that um, what's happening here is is that they're kind of developing GPT. And remember, GPT is a product of OpenAI. So OpenAI is the overarching company developing this. Um, but ChatGPT is one of the products that they're kind of funneling this through. So, you know, that product may have things in it or not have things in it that other products do. So that's important to, to recognize. But ChatGPT is saying, or at least OpenAI are saying, that ChatGPT will have memory. So in, within a conversation, if you say, hey, remember this, it will remember it, and then next time you ask the question, it will bring it up. But it only works within conversations, from my reading of this. It doesn't work within, it doesn't work within the app itself. So, for example, if you go to a different conversation and you open up a new chat, it won't remember things in there, so I'm still a bit confused as to what it actually remembers and how. Oh, is it all sort of sandboxed out? So feels like that, yeah. So it's a conversation. conversation. Is... Yeah, don't know the point that of that. Doesn't that make sense? Hmm. Possibly, yeah, I'm not yeah sure. possibly. I mean, I, one thing I'd love it to do is remember the prompts that I write because I'd love it to say, you know, remember that prompt I asked you to do about the thing? Could you do that again? Um, 
I, I had that's, my first that's argument. That's exactly how I speak to ChatGPT, by the <laughs> yes, way. And it always gets thing. it. I don't know why. <laughs> that thing about the thing. I had my first argument with AI last night. Oh, um, cool. It, it was very tense. <laughs> they were adamant that there was Best Buys in the UK. And I was saying, no, there isn't. I was looking for a TV. I said, tell me, uh, give me recommendations for a TV that's got this and that. And it came back, gave me a, a great list. And it knew I was in the UK. I said, oh, where can I buy that so-and-so TV? Just go to your local Best Buy. There is no Um. Best Buys in the UK. (laughs) And it came back and said, oh, I'm so sorry for the misunderstanding. There are a few Best Buys in the UK. Passive aggressive, right? Exactly right. It was like we were married. It was like Valentine's (laughs) Day had arrived early. I said, no, there isn't. There are no Best Buys. I think you'll find there are Ooh. some Best Buys in the UK. I and think then, you'll find. That's very yes, British as well. I know. And then it even started to fall over its own words in the TTS. Ooh. That, i got to say, I, was, I went from angry to being so impressed. It actually stumbled a word. It was incredible, got to say. Absolutely amazing. I'm kind of, um, I'm going to say it, I'm kind of over chat GPT. Yeah, you're not the only one. I'm hearing a lot of that. I think it's it's getting into that stage where I feel there's a lot of mistakes, a lot of hallucinations, things it's doing. The makes biggest me kind thing of, for me makes me kind of not trust it as much with info. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you can get that across all AI. I think you still got to be a little bit because you get so blown away by how it understands you that you just take whatever it says. You know, oh, that must be true, and it's not. It still gets things wrong. Mm. But the thing for me is that cutoff point. I can't actually remember where ChatGPT is now, 2021, 2022, maybe. Oh, I see. Copilot, for example. Yeah, and the one I'm using, I can ask it what the weather is today. I can ask it for news headlines and things like that. And it goes off to the internet and finds it. That is really, really useful. And I think that that cutoff point that ChatGPT has currently is really holding it back. Although if you... So you don't pay for it, do you? You don't pay for the subscription. Of course I don't pay it, you crazy. No. No, so you, then you can use Bing with it, right? So it kind of does tie into Bing, so you do get the up-to-date results. That's why I, I don't notice your problem. Oh, oh sorry, I see. I don't so care. the answer is just to throw some money at it. Always is the answer to everything, just like Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Oh, and we're Follow back. Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. If you tried this new uh, Gemini from what was Bard, so Bard is Google's version of ChatGPT, uh, they've renamed it Gemini for reasons best known to themselves. Oh, have you tried no. this? I haven't, which is surprising, right? Because when this all kicked off the AI revolution, I always Google are always you know front. They're the leaders when it comes to search database and AI. The Google Voice Assistant always blew me away on Android. Still does actually, um, but no, I've never gone down the Google AI route. No, none of my, I mean, I, if only I had a Google phone lying around. Oh, wait, I do. Uh, I ah. could open it up and try it. I think it's available on iOS as well. I could be wrong on that. But here's the thing. Um, they've renamed it Gemini. I think it's partly because Bard got such a Bard reputation um, in the end. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even acknowledging that. I'm I glad know, you that... didn't do the, uh, any sound effect. It didn't deserve it. I wasn't going to do sound effects, but I just thought my pun was enough, to be perfectly honest, yeah. but fair enough. It was enough, okay. trust us. Um, yeah, if, you, if any editors of a newspaper that bit trashy looking for someone, I'm available. 
for very, <laughs> very, very good rates. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think this will be interesting to see if it's improved any, because I hear so much about the name change, but not about the actual substance of it. I, I do feel it's a little bit like the Google Home again. It's like it came along... And everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. It does loads of great things. And then it's like, yeah, yeah I'll just use the Echo. So I feel like oh, it's, it's wow. that thing that's going on at the moment. And, and I think you're right. I don't know why Google doesn't get the... I, I'll tell you why I think it is. I think people don't tend to get too excited about Google stuff anymore because they throw stuff at the wall. And if it works, great. But if it, even if it works, they could just still just stop one day doing it. Just, it goes away. And I think that's yeah. Google's got a bit of a reputation of this now, where it's like, well, oh, they've created this amazing thing. Oh, they've just deleted it, right? Oh, well, that's that then. Well, rightly or wrongly, they do have that reputation. I mean, you could make the same argument for others, but there's no denying Google are the the kings of that, um, very much. So even if a service, as you said, is working perfectly, it's like, yeah, you know what? Let's get rid of that. But yeah. which is maybe, and again, that's I get that's a good thing as well, right? I mean, you don't want to keep doing something for the sake of it, but sometimes it just feels a bit too much, like they've just. Like, suddenly, I think just disappears. And don't get me wrong, I mean, there's times when you think, okay, that's... <sighs> I don't know. I, I think about... It certainly, was a problem way back at the beginning. There was there was a fantastic thing they brought out called Google Wave, which I remember years ago. This, this is what started it for me. Google Wave came out, and it was a way of kind of bringing all your communications, your, your IMs in the day, your email. Yep. Everything was in the one app, and it was so cool. It was a great app. It was a brilliant service. And... I was just getting into it. I thought, this is brilliant. This is really good. And it was working really well. And they just killed it. And one day I went into it and it was like, oh, this isn't used anymore. Oh, what? And then there was another example and another example. And then, you know, it just felt like, okay, I don't want to get into something with Google because they're just going to take it away. Yeah, you don't want to rely on it, make it part of your workflow or anything just to have it taken away. But why are Apple, uh, sorry, Apple, why are Google offering all these services for free most of the time? Um, why, why are they offering it for free? Yeah. Why are they offering things like, I don't know, Google Docs or whatever it may be, or the Wave back in the day? Why are they offering these services for free? It's because they're training the, their own core technology. You know, Gmail, for the longest time, all those emails were scanned, right? Everything in there. And why was it scanned? They're training something, either AI. They're learning from data. They're learning from how we use a particular service. So it could be the case that as soon as they've got enough information and data out of some service, they just, okay, close that down, move on to the next. Well, you know our I mean, good I'm friend, Robin Christopherson, here. he yes. always says, you know, if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. And it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's There's it some sort of, I mean, all those captures, right, where it's um, you type in the word that you see, all that was training OCR. That was things that the machine learning could not understand. And turning it into a capture was a way of, well, basically us doing manual labor. Right? It's a difficult one to quantify or, or for us to to um, to kind of get into here because when you think about it, on one hand, you want a product that is brilliant. But in order for it to be brilliant, you really have to put a lot of work and effort in. Now, the companies can't do that entirely on their own, so they do need essentially our assistance. Now, I think if they came out and said, we need your help with this. We're going to scan all your emails and do all this. People go, no, 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 no. Get lost. Get out of that. I'm not. Get out of my emails. So they wouldn't do it. That's quid pro quo. I haven't got a problem with it at all. What I'm just saying, what I'm suggesting and putting forward is that could be a reason why services pop up, get used to get really popular, and then disappear. Yeah. Because it's not actually a service they're providing for any other reason than almost self-improvement. 
for yeah, the Yeah, no, absolutely. Than- and I, I think we have to remember that, you know, services, that, I mean, a, a great example of this is Microsoft Soundscape. So Microsoft Soundscape came along and, of course, then it went away. And we don't really know why it went away. We're glad it's open sourced. And, you know, I'm still, I still maintain that we would thank Microsoft one day. And I think we are thanking them today that it's still in existence. Um, but that was set up not to necessarily entirely serve the needs of the blind community. It was because they wanted to test this type of technology out through some service. And Microsoft Soundscape was was the, the result of that. Now, of course, it was of huge benefit to us. And, you know, you have to think about it in the way that I think musicians think about pop hits, right? You don't know what's going to be a hit until you try it out. You don't know how it's going to be a hit. You don't know what it'll be used for. You could, you know, a, a musician could come up with a song that suddenly becomes the anthem of a generation, but they thought it was the worst song they ever created. You know, mm. that, they, you don't know where things land. So, but you know, the, at the core of it, it was about testing new technologies and trying new things and getting it out there in new ways. The question, though, that I like to ask about is, um, is the use of data because I, I go back to this point about Apple and her, and. It's not that intelligent, or at least doesn't feel as if it's that intelligent. Doesn't feel like it's a great assistant, and that's partly, or is that? I should say, not, I'm not assuming it. I'm I'm asking it. Is that because it doesn't suck in all our data and you know create itself to be better? You know, because Apple don't want to be seen as that company. They don't want to be that company. They they want to focus on privacy first. But that has an impact on the type of service they can deliver, and it also makes me wonder when we do get to the point with Apple announcing whatever it is they announce in a WWDC around Siri or an enhanced Siri or whatever it is, or Apple GPT or whatever they, they come up with, how is that going to learn? What are they working from? Are they going to do it in partnership with another company rather than directly themselves? Because to me, it kind of goes against the grain of what Apple are about. They're not the company that scan your emails. They're not the company that, you know, checks everything you're up to. It's like, no, 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 it's on your phone, it's on your device, it's yours, it's yours, it's yours. It's very much privacy yeah. first with so Apple. You, yeah, and and you, can't, you can't train these systems without data. So where is the data coming from? That's, that's my biggest fear about Apple getting into this, is that you know, it kind of needs almost to bend those rules for itself a little bit, but then people might not want it to do that, and I don't think Apple want to do that, so I don't know what's going to come out of it. I don't think they it. will. Yeah, I, I How don't are they think going to do that? That's my question. Well, of course, there is. You can anonymize data and make it untrackable. Um, that hasn't really worked out too well in the past. Some people have said no, actually it is trackable, but you can do that. Um, it's no good for things like wanting to um, do targeted advertising, and that's what companies mostly want to do. But I think Apple would steer away from that, obviously. But I think they will head for on-device. I think that the things with the Apple Silicon, like putting the an M chip in an iPhone, I think will be coming soon. And all the power, more than enough power will be on there to process on-device API with the security chips we have in there. I've forgotten what it's called, what they call it, not TPM. So, but the so hang on, are you, are you suggesting that there'll be like some kind of LLM learning model inside yeah. your phone and it will do the learning itself? Well, we're already there with AI, right? You can download your own AI engine, if you like, onto a computer and run your own local AI program, service, server, whatever saw, you want I saw to NVIDIA call it. this week. I've just announced they're offering graphics cards that have that option. Yeah, you can 
and use the graphics yeah. cards because that's what you need, right? You need the power of the graphics card. You to need do that. a lot of power, and it's a specific way of handling AI, yeah, and parallel processing. I'm assuming, but I don't know. But either way, yeah, I think it's going to be. I think Apple will go instead of sending data off absolutely anywhere. They will do it all on device, and maybe the power just isn't quite there yet. Although I don't know. I don't think well, we're I, far I, off. I don't think we're far off with Apple. I mean, it's interesting because th- this is what people have been talking about. You know, the fact that you know. Apple have had this capability inside their devices for many, many years, unlike other manufacturers that are just coming around to it now because of, of this AI revolution, essentially. Um, we'll see what they do with it. I can't, I can't wait for WWDC. Well, I, I hope. I think this is the year. I think it has to be the year that Siri gets an upgrade. Um, I hope so, and I really, really want it. Because I use Siri all the time. As much as we bash Siri, I use it all the time. And it... it it really does feel like it's years behind oh, at this I'm, point. Listen, turn on Do Not Disturb. Do Not Disturb is off. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Could you turn it on? <laughs> yeah. I still. My favorite one is Open Amazon. Which app would you like, Prime or Amazon? Amazon, opening Prime. Yeah. Okay. A- absolutely. I, you've I completely lost me here. This is useless. <laughs> I may as well take. I may as well just stab at the apps in the dark. <laughs> there's a podcast title um yeah <laughs> no i i agree i think this year something has to happen even if it's not rolled out you know at least give us an insight into what we yes. can expect well yeah. it's not going to be rolled out right away anyway is it because it's going to be no, for developers not. that's what this is all about the, the wwdc so it'll be later in the year so by the end of the year we'll have new phones that will know that have even better capabilities than our existing mind. 15 Pro, pff, get rid of that. <laughs> 16 to where it's at. Um, yeah, we shall see. Um, and we also, we're not coming up, again, up to the new um, Apple Watch. Was it 10? We're coming up to Apple Watch Series 10 this year. Has the, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. To yeah, the 9 was so. released last year. X. The I bet it's X. Any money will be another X. X. Oh, that'll be Very good. Cool. Are one. you back into your Apple Watch now? No, Are you really. over the. Um, I mean, no, I use really? it. I know I do use it, but I, and I, I certainly I would say it's far more usable thanks to the updates recently than it's been. I just I don't go to it as a, a as a natural go to. That's my problem. I'm exactly the same. I go through days of picking it up and wearing it, and then I'll put it back on the charger and forget about it for a I'm week. I'm not even going to. Yeah, I did it yesterday. I wore it all day yesterday. It was great. Um, but you know, <laughs> I had a call, so I just reached for my phone and. You know, my watch was in my wrist. I didn't even bother with it. I, I don't know why. It's, I, there's a mental block, I think, sometimes with this Apple Watch and me. Yeah. And it's not that it's not a great device. I think we're spoiled, actually, with it in, in this respect of the accessibility and all the rest. It's brilliant. But I think it's just because it can't do everything the, the phone can. So there's so much you have to go back to the phone for. You think, well, I may as well just pick up the phone. Yeah, exactly. And the phone's always in my pocket anyway. I mean, but, you know, it, it's that killer killer app that i'm still waiting for health and fitness is its thing absolutely i'll say one thing for it that i love uh is the fact that you can sit down at your mac and you hit the key to open up the mac or you open the lid and it automatically logs you in i love that do you love that i love that sit down hit the shift key bang i'm in no mucking about i absolutely adore that that is nice, I've got to say. There's something called dynamic lock in Windows, which is meant to do the same thing. You, If it detects your phone nearby, it logs you in. I haven't looked into that. It's something I just noticed the other day when I was looking at Windows Hello things. So, um, yeah, because it's funny I say that. I'm talking about a fingerprint scanner I've 
put into this computer here. But you know, typing in a pin takes literally seconds. <laughs> but still, I know. I know. there's something about it's just more convenient just to have, boop, there you go. And if you've got facial recognition cameras, even better. You just sit in front of it and it recognizes who you are and logs you into the correct profile if you've got a multi-user uh, accounts on a Windows PC. Oh, that's good. It's, I didn't realize it's that. Absolute, yeah, no, it's really good. It's amazing. Well, that's, that's actually very smart. See, I only ever use my own computers. I don't share them with anyone. Yeah. So, yeah, that's no, good. Get away. Yeah, get away. <laughs> but no, my, it's funny because I, I said to my wife years ago, I said, you know, will we get you a, a computer? And she's like, yeah, yeah. So I got all this Lenovo laptop and it was really quite nice. I mean, it wasn't the most expensive, wasn't the latest, newest, because I knew she wouldn't really care too much. She just wanted to do emails yes. and web browsing and stuff. And she never used it. She never, ever used it. She just goes on her phone. Exactly the same. I got her one for her birthday. Not your wife, my partner. I got her one for her birthday. (laughs) Can can I get that one? (laughs) Entry level. I think it was an i3 laptop, you know, because again, just emails and browsing the web, more than enough. A lady computer. Uh, yes. Oh, wow, that's dangerous. <laughs> Stop that. I don't think she's even turned it on. I no. think, you know, it's just there. So um, where, where was this conversation going? Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I, think wow. I think we're pretty much heading for divorce, the way we're going. Uh, listen, I want to get a couple of emails in before we go. Um, I want to mention uh, John's email uh, regarding Meta Ray-Ban. Some important updates in this. Uh, Laura, of course, is here to read our emails. Hello there. I was lucky enough to get hold of a pair of Meta Ray-Bans recently, and so far I'm enjoying them. The app is pretty accessible. When you have to select the glasses to pair at the start, you get button, button, which was worrying, but swiping up on each button tells you what they are. Then all is fine. Even I managed to get it set up, and I am a total idiot. I did get stuck (laughs) trying to find the camera button for a little bit, but it's just at the far right where the lens touches the arm. Or legs, if you didn't know any better. The glasses can work just like Bose frames. I was happily using VoiceOver and listening to your podcast on them. I can tap the frame on the right to magic tap, i.e. pause or play, what I'm listening to, or swipe up and down the arm to change the volume. You can customise the gestures too. The voice assistant is very basic, but I don't have AI. I can ask it the time or the weather, but other than that, it's just about controlling the glasses. But it does integrate with WhatsApp and Messenger, if anyone uses that, so I can send a message or start an audio call direct from the glasses. I can also say send photo to such and such and it will take a photo and send it via WhatsApp. The assistant is pretty responsive. It maybe could be a little friendlier at times. The female voices are all quite terrifying and some of the confirmation (laughs) prompts are a bit weird, but it works pretty well. From a cost point of view, they're just a tad cheaper than the most expensive Bose frames. The battery is better than my Altos. You can also charge them in the case, so plenty good enough for me. The sound seems good so far, but I've not been outside with them yet. So far, I like them, but I'm desperate to try the AI out. John from Northampton. Thank you, John. Really appreciate that email. There's two things that stick out for me. One is that you can swipe up when you get to that screen uh, that I was having issues with. I didn't even think about doing that. I wouldn't swipe, uh, I wouldn't swipe up on an on a, on a. I swipe up on everything to see if there's any actions or ah. anything there. Yeah, I've never done that. Surprising. Yeah, okay. That's a new thing I've... I know, I know the actions menu. I get that, but I didn't. I wouldn't have thought if it was inaccessible. I, I know, swipe but when up you come it. across some an element that's you know not accessible, you just do everything. Like you said, you turn screen recognition on, right? Yeah. That's the first thing I would do as well to test it out. Um, but that didn't work for you. But yeah, swiping up as simple as that is it's crazy. But you know, this is what I love about this, right? I love this. That's why I love doing this show because we we can share this to everybody, and we can all kind of. You know, if anyone wants to go down this route and buy this and has this issue, well, there you go. Problem solved. That's amazing. Yeah, so thank and you for that, John. This means, this means the whole process is accessible 
out yeah, of the box whole thing. for someone who cannot see. Yeah, which is a big, big deal. Um, send a photo. That I didn't know you could do that. That's one I didn't. I, would, I didn't know about. So, I, did you read the manual, Stephen? No, Scott? I didn't read a manual. I did the startup <laughs> setup process. I went through everything, and it, it told me oh, all well these done. different things. I don't think it mentioned send a photo, but yeah, that um, that's a great feature. So you just say H E Y Meta. That's how you engage with it, and say send a photo. And I, that is so cool, actually, because the amount of times my wife will say, "Can you send me a picture of that?" You just say, or I think, "Well, he should like to see that," and he just sends it to her. That is brilliant. That is quite cool. I really like the WhatsApp. Again, though, I think this shows the power of WhatsApp. It, it's funny. The last few years, WhatsApp has become almost universal. So many people love WhatsApp. It's so accessible from my point of view. So many people I can contact. The only thing, the only sticky point for me is the fact that it gives your number out. Yeah. That's the only time people don't want to use it. I don't want to join this group because then everyone has my number. And I totally understand that. I honestly couldn't care less but and it I doesn't understand matter that. really I mean, does it matter well it could do in some situations you know what i mean it's well totally yeah, yeah okay fair enough i mean the, the, yeah, the internet is a different experience for everybody yeah <laughs> women on yeah. the uh the internet than it is for men right so well, all right mr metrosexual over here i'm just saying i'm recognizing that's all goodness me you're growing in this episode <laughs> You're growing. We started off, we were like, oh, Valentine's Day, what a crock. Now it's like, oh, women's rights. By, by the I'm end of this, you'll saying, be joining a group. I recognise that there is an issue with WhatsApp, but it is such a cool... I think it's emerged as the, the go-to universal communications app. Thank you. I'm trying to think, what was it? The, remember the phone years ago? There was one, What was the Skype phone? Do you remember the Skype phones? It sounds really familiar, but I can't, not really, no. It was the first time Skype I'd ever phone. used a device. It was like a phone, and in it, you could do regular calls and stuff, but it was main, its main function was you could make Skype calls with it, and it was the first time oh, we'd I ever been I able do. to do that. Yeah. It was yeah, like a candy yeah, yeah. bar type, right? It was just the typical kind of T9 keyboards. Do you remember the Amstrad email phone? I do, yes. <laughs> I bet you had one. It was a video. Machine. It was a video phone, wasn't it? The one you could make video calls. With. I mean, it was terrible and didn't really work. Oh, I but... don't know about video calls. I know it just had a little tiny QWERTY keyboard and a little screen on it, and you could type emails. Or maybe it wasn't it video was... calls. You're right. Yeah, maybe it was, it was just the maybe it was just the, the emails part. Yeah, oh, a bit of nostalgia there. <sighs> anyway, uh, let's go to negative Julian, who wants to update us following his uh, comments on the Nova Launcher. Just a quick follow up to my previous email about Nova Launcher. The license unlocker for the app is Nova Launcher Prime. This normally costs a very reasonable £3.99, but I was just browsing the Play Store and found that it is currently on sale at an unbelievable price of nine pence. That is a nutty price for such a powerful piece of software. I have no idea if this is UK only or for how long it is for, but worth knowing. Regards, Negative Julian. Little update from Negative Julian. Thank you for that. And also William got in touch, Sean. Hi, Steve and Sean. This is William from the United States. I would like to hear your story about your train experiences and traveling, and I would like for you to demo the LG TV, the TCL TV, and the Samsung TV. And there's a couple of new Google TVs that have come out. One is called the JVC Roku Smart TV, and the other is called the Hisense TV. Okay. Thank you, William. Uh, it clearly wants us to update uh, and uh, review every television that is available on the market today. Quite right, too. I see. We'll put do his that. feet to the fire. That's what it's about here. Well, Thank I, you, William. I, 
I believe we talked about um, the Samsung TV that I've got and the terrible, I can uh, bear the screen reader voice on there. And the LG one, a uh, little LG, LG one we've got in the bedroom, which is nice. So I can actually record. I will record a sample. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I will record a sample of the screen reader so you can tell what I'm talking about with the difference. As for the other ones, TCLs and everything, I, I don't have access to any of that. If anyone wants to send us one. Well, I've got, T, I've got TCL. <laughs> Hello, Best Buy. I, I've got the TCL TV. <laughs> have that you? Test. Yeah, yeah. Because So the TV that we use in the background, we don't use it for anything other than the the background of the TV uh, show. Uh, so we've got a TV there, and that's a TCL. Um, it was set up by the installer, so I didn't touch it. But it does have, I believe, Android in it. So I could certainly do a little demo of that, and we could test it out, see how it goes. The remote controls, in, it always interests me. I mentioned this before. It's the one with the power button. It's got a P next to it, and um, volume and channel buttons are, are labeled all in Braille. Um, although every other button oh, isn't. Yeah, so good luck figuring out the rest. But, you know, it's a start. <sighs> Is that um, so? That TV, I'm assuming, if it's got Braille on the remote, it has a screen reader built in. Uh, well, that's, I wouldn't assume that, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a yeah, leap. It's true. Especially with televisions. But um, it, it does have Android in it. So if it's got Android in it, it will have a screen reader capability. The question is when you're setting these things up, how accessible are they out of the box? And I think the answer is not very. Well, that's you've the always thing. got to get someone in to, because you've got to activate the screen reader. And you, if it's not there, you've got to go get it. and trying to explain all that to someone who doesn't know and you're trying to direct them and oh goodness i always assumed that if it says you know at android tv that it was therefore accessible via talkback but i don't mm. know if that is true or not i don't know if that does mean that um it's only the smart side that is accessible with a screen reader or can you read the epg the system settings of the actual tv because it is a separate side i honestly don't know i'd be interested in people's experience of that if it is if a tv says powered by android or android tv does that mean that is always going to be accessible i think I was, was it the volume or the mute button there was a button you would hold down that would get the screen reader to talk when you turned it on if it was available that's the case on the on my samsung if i hold down the volume rocker key uh i get the accessibility menu and it starts talking straight away right okay but i don't think that worked during setup now this is a an older samsung tv um so before 2020 so um, I'm not sure if that's changed, but I don't think it's easy to, uh, I don't think I could set it up if I do a reset, you know, I don't think it was accessible and it was something I had to do or get someone to do. Okay, let's get one more email in from Jean on the subject of Fire TV. Hello, I was just listening to your podcast from I think three years ago when some accessible TVs were reviewed and I was just wondering if any of these TVs have what seems to be called baked in ads. I have an Amazon Fire TV and I'd like to take a sledgehammer to it because I can be trying to listen to an over-the-air channel and it might not be about five minutes and it doesn't matter whether the TV is connected to the internet or not, but it likes to practically disrupt my programme probably to show me some damn ad or something. All I know is that the broadcast gets stopped and I have to try and find it again and it's very annoying. So that's why I'm trying to find a good TV that doesn't have those baked-in ads. And I'm also looking for a small TV, 22 inches or smaller. If you can help me with this, I would really appreciate it. Thanks. Sounds like a job for your LG or that little Samsung I've got. Um, I think it's interesting because I know with these TVs, and I certainly know with the tablets, when you buy Fire tablets, you can buy with ads or without ads. It's like an extra $10 sometimes. Yes. Don't know if that would be the case with TV, though. I, I have heard of people 
that ring customer services and say, this is absolutely disgusting, turn it off immediately. Of course, I'm not paying for this to get the adverts off this thing I've already bought. And they have been removed. I'm not mm. saying that's going to be everyone's experience, but sorry, I think it's terrible. I hate it when I, I've got a fire tablet in the house and when I turned it on the other day, it was just a full screen advert on the lock screen. I, I mean, yeah, what? I know. I, I know. I've bought this thing. Why are you giving me... I totally agree. That sounds absolutely terrible. It feels like Microsoft does that a lot as well. Suddenly you just get these messages. What was that notification? You go back and it's like an advert for something. And Hey, have you tried the new thing? And I'm like, no, and I don't want to either. Go away. Uh, don't get that in a Mac. Just saying. Anyway, um, yes, we shall uh, We shall definitely investigate that. Gene, uh, maybe get in touch with Amazon accessibility support if you can and uh, see if they can help you out with that. Because, yeah, that's a good point. Get in touch with them. Yes. Maybe they can remove that feature and stop that happening for you. Let us know how you got on. Uh, we'll also be getting into some reviews of that, uh, those TVs you're talking about. I'll certainly mention, I'll, I'll go through the TCL TV, you go through the LG. Is that a deal? That's a deal. Let's make it happen. Within the next decade, that will happen. <laughs> uh, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, we're on YouTube as well. You can uh, check out our conversation with Fern Lullum yesterday, ahead of Valentine's Day, talking about online dating. Find that at youtube.com slash at double tap video. Catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Love you. Bye-bye. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hadjar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.